thrive, not weave. I've been talking about uh, wanting to do a, a read-through of the Bible together as a church uh, in, in 2018. Um, so I want to show you a video, um, and this is, uh, as I mentioned earlier, this is, uh, this is Francis Chan. It's from um, the website uh, Read Scripture, um, which is that's the, the app that, that I'm promoting uh, for us to go through. So if you can bring up that video, Alex. Um, this is Francis talking about his church and, uh, and them uh, as a church deciding, hey, we're, we're going to try and read through the whole Bible together. Wow, there we go. Uh, I'd love it. I'd love it if, if, we, uh, if we set out to read the Bible together this year. Um, and and uh, we're going to send an email out this week that has uh, a link to uh, this website as well as the app um, if you want to do this reading plan with us. You, you can do any Bible reading plan. I don't care. We'll, we'll, we'll give you a couple options. There, there are tons of great apps out there. Um, if you don't want to read on your phone or track on your phone, we'll have some printed copies available too so, so that you, you have each day like, okay, this, this is where I'm reading today. But I'd love it if, if we would do that this year together. If we would... It, it, even if you've read the Bible a hundred times or if you've never read it, like, I don't care. Like, I want all of us to, to get in God's word together. And I encourage you to, to partner up with someone, whether it's a spouse, a friend, your community group. Um, uh, make a new group. I don't care. But, but let's, let's get in, in God's word together. Uh, so today we're, uh, we're back in Exodus chapter 32. And um, I want to recap last week because it, it's... Um, it's important that we're connected to, to what, um, what we were in last week. Um, so Moses, uh, he, he'd been on the mountain. He's receiving from God uh, the law and the instructions on the tabernacle. Um, and meanwhile, back at the camp, Israel gets impatient. They, they said uh, they, they didn't know what happened to this, this Moses fellow. Um, and they said to Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. So Aaron says, give me your gold. And, and he takes the gold and he, and he fashions uh, a calf, or as Gary explained, it was, it was uh, likely a bull, um, which was one of the Egyptian gods that they were probably familiar with. And he proclaimed that these, these were the gods that brought them out of Egypt. And Aaron uh, seems to feel guilty, or, or he knows that, that this is wrong, so he tries to tie in um, what they're doing with, with worship of, of Yahweh. And he says uh, that they'll have a feast unto the Lord. And, and they went absolutely wild. Absolutely crazy. Uh, frat boys would, would blush at, at the party that, that they threw here. This was, this was uh, triple X. Um, back on the mountain, God tells Moses what they're doing, and, and he tests Moses. He says, let me, let me destroy them. I'll start over a new nation with, with you, Moses. And, and Moses responds by interceding for the people. Right? He, he appeals to, to what God has done, who, who God is he refers to the promises that God made, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God, as Gary pointed out, in his sovereign freedom, he chose to be compassionate on the people. So, so we get an image last week of how destructive this false worship is, and we'll see more of that this week. And from this passage, we're going to look at two ways that our sin needs to be dealt with. Our side is confession. We confess our sins to the Lord. Um, and then God's side is, uh, or, or this piece of God's side is, is, is disciplining us. Like God is good to discipline his, his children. Um, man, I don't know who the kid was that said yay, um, but that was convicting. Because we just, we just sang the gospel, right? 
And that was such a great response. And when we look at this response of these people um, worshiping something false, and they just go wild, and I'm sitting there going, God, how do I not respond correctly to you? So I just have to pray, because I might just cry otherwise. So let's pray. Jesus, you're so good. You're so worthy of our worship, God. And it's just so easy to walk into church and just be cavalier and be used to used to what we do every week, Lord. God, Moses is on the mountain with you, and you're telling, you're telling him and, and therefore the people of Israel how to worship you. God, I don't want to worship things that aren't you, Lord. We don't want to worship false idols, God. We don't want to worship creation, God. We want to worship the creator. Lord, would you speak to our hearts, God, because that's what we need, Lord. To, to many of us, this passage might be really familiar. God, would you, speak, would you speak things to us that we need to hear today, God? Otherwise, we're just wasting our time, Lord. Will you glorify yourself, God? In your name we pray, amen. All right, uh, let's, let's pick up in, uh, in verse 15. I'll read 15 through 19. It says, uh, Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. Tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back, they were written. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There's a noise of war in camp. But he said, and this is Moses, he said, It's not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. So he comes, and he, he's heard it. He, he sees the camp. He sees the, 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 the bull and, and the dancing, and, and, and he's livid. And we can imagine uh, a parent, right, that, that knows something's going on, right? You, you hear something in your house, and, and, and you think it's probably not good. Maybe you even know it's not good, but you're, you're trying to withhold judgment, although your emotional intensity is rising the closer you get. And then you turn the corner, and you see that thing that your kids are doing. And man, it skyrockets. Your intensity skyrockets. Moses, he, he, he's angry. There's no doubt about it. He throws the, the tablets down. And, and, and maybe this was just anger. But, but I think, um, and actually I read a lot of people that think uh, that, that this is symbolic. right? The, the breaking of the tablets wasn't just Moses being ticked off. But he was saying, Israel, God made this covenant with you, right? You agreed multiple times. God told us he's going to be our God. We're going to be his people. This is how you're to live. You said you'd do everything he said, and now you've broken it. You've broken this deal that God gave us. Verse 20 says, he took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people drink of it. So, so Moses takes, takes the bull, he burns it, he grinds it down to this fine powder, and he demonstrates with that act that this, this God was absolutely worthless. This God was powerless. A mere mortal could take this thing out. Nothing compares to God. Nothing at all. Deuteronomy 9 uh, fills in the details. That, that he, he takes the powder and he puts it in, in the brook, which is their, their water source, um, and, and, and they drink it. And, and this, is like, this is a weird thing, right, that we read. It, really weird that they, they drank what they were just 
worshiping. But, but I think it's such a great image for how, how sin infiltrates us. Right? We, we try to fool ourselves into thinking that, that this little sin, the impact isn't, isn't that great. But it's never true. Sin is always intrusive and destructive. And we're changed by, uh, by what we worship. We, we, we become like what we worship. And I asked Alyssa, I think she got me pictures of pets that, uh, that are owners that look like they're pets. This is always fun. So let's look at this. I haven't seen these. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, oh, gosh. <laughs> that guy wins. That. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is there another one? Oh, oh, oh. No, that guy wins. That is... That was adorable. Wow. Can we go back to the last guy, though? Because that, that is crazy. It's got to be Photoshopped, but supposedly that's real. Well, we, we, we're changed by, by what we worship. And there's, there's really just two options that Scripture lays out for us. The first is when we worship God, the creator, the, the true living God, we're, we're made to be more and more like Christ, right? Second uh, Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So God is making his worshipers more and more like, oh yeah, can we get rid of that? <laughs> God is making us more and more like Christ. When we worship God, we look more and more like Christ. The other option is, is, is when we worship anything other than God, when we worship anything created, um, we, we become like that. Second Kings 17.15, uh, I'm sorry, I don't have the slide for this. It's talking about Israel. Um, it's talking about um, them uh, just before they're exiled. And, and, and talking about their idol worship, it says they, they went after false idols and they became false. So Moses has Israel drink, drink this supposed God that they had worshipped. And it's going to come out of them as the absolute waste that it was. One moment they worshipped something, and a few moments later they, they, they urinated it out. Right? And gross picture, but man, really poignant. And maybe you're thinking, um, I don't make idols, right? I've never taken my wife's jewelry um, and, and, and made a, a bull or a salamander or whatever. Um, I don't know why I chose salamander. It's not an Egyptian god, I don't think. Um, anything anything we, we worship other than God is idolatry, right? Any, 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 an idol is, 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 is worshiping anything that's created rather than the creator, this could, be, this could be a relationship, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a spouse, um, your kids. It could, be, uh, it could be your career. It could be uh, your kids' success. It could be security, whether it's your job or financial security. Uh, the list goes on and on. But we're tempted to worship any number of things that are not the creator, not the one worthy of our worship. And it doesn't matter what it is, how tempting it is how it may make you feel for a period of time, it's completely worthless. God is the only one that's worthy of our worship. Another observation is, is, is how Moses dealt with sin. He was really aggressive. He, uh, he understood, unlike Israel, he understood that this almost destroyed them. 
God almost wiped them out for this had, had, had Moses not interceded. Um, they were completely unaware that there was a debate about destroying them. So he took the bull by the horns. I just thought, what would Gary say there? <laughs> That's what Gary would say. Uh, I laughed really hard when I thought of that. Um, so, so Moses aggressively attacks this object of their worship. Are we ready to aggressively eradicate sin? Because it is destructive in its nature. It is intrusive. So this might mean that you need to get rid of something in your life that's tempting to you. I know some men that they have dumb phones instead of smartphones because they know that the temptation to be alone with that device that can get them images or whatever on the internet isn't good for them. So they, they've sacrificed that. It might mean driving a, a different way home from work so you don't stop by that place that you know you shouldn't. It, it could mean cutting a relationship out that, that is poisonous for you. And the bull wasn't the root of the problem, but Moses wanted it out of there, and he dealt with it really aggressively. Verses 21 through 24 uh, we have Aaron's opportunity to confess, and, uh, and he, he really demonstrates w- what not to do. Verse 21 says, And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you brought such a great sin upon them? He asked a really reasonable question. Like, what did they do? Were they holding like a knife to your throat as they asked you to make these gods? Did they, did they hold your kids ransom? Um, because you would think that there should be an exceptional reason. Right, for Israel to do this. There should be, you would think, an exceptional reason for us to sin uh, against the Lord. We know. We know what Christ has done for us. But you know what? I, I can't think of a good reason. I can't think of a good reason for any of my sin. I can't think of a good reason for, for me losing my temper with someone or, or avoiding something that I know I should do or, or entertaining thoughts uh, that I shouldn't have. Aaron, in verse 22, he says, Let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. It's too late for that. You know the people, that they are set on evil ways. For they said to me, Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, Let any of you who have gold take it off. They gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. And what, what Aaron says is laughable. Like, I think I just heard someone go, yes, right? Like, it, it is ridiculous, his, his explanation here. And, and he, he tries to pass the blame on the people. And, and even though you could argue that he's, he's fairly right, like they were prone to evil, um, he doesn't take any responsibility at all. It's just like Adam and Eve in the garden. When, when God confronts them over their sin, there's blaming, there's finger pointing all over the place, when, when, when what Aaron should have done is owned it. He, he should have taken total accountability for, for what he did. He, he, even, if, even if Israel is like two-thirds of the problem, Aaron should have owned his one-third of the problem, 100%. But, but he didn't. And, and verse 24, when he, when he says that he, he just threw the gold in and out jumps this calf, like it's laughable. It's like the kid, right? the, the brother, that's like, no. They hit my fist with their face. Like, I didn't do it. I actually know someone who tried to pass that off 
Um, so what about you? When, when, when someone confronts you over your sin, how do you respond? Are you blaming others, or, or, or do you own it? I had uh, two pretty significant examples in my life um, when I was in college, two like real heroes of my faith um, that both, um, both fell into to sexual sin. Um, and, and one of them, when he was confronted, he owned it 100%. He, he was repentant, meaning like he was ready to turn from that, turn to God. He, uh, he didn't blame anyone. Um, he was really humble in the whole thing. It, it was amazing. Um, and the other blamed everybody, blamed his wife, blamed this other woman, bl- blamed the pressure of work, like blamed all these, these different things. So, so how are you going to respond when, when you're confronted by someone else with your sin, or, or when the Holy Spirit confronts you over your sin, right? Not, not, not a brother or sister, but, but the Holy Spirit. When, when, when the Spirit convicts you of sin, like, are you, do you confess that to someone else? Because God's made us to do that. Yes, yes, we need to confess the Lord, certainly. But God's also put in us this, this need to confess to one another. Um, James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So God responds to our, our confessions of sin. He's, he's quick to forgive the repentant. But he's designed us to, to confess to him and, and to confess to others as well. And there's a real freedom that comes in confessing our sins to others. We want to bury it. We want to hide it. But there, there's freedom when, when we, to a brother or sister in Christ, someone that could help keep us accountable, Someone will pray for us. When we confess that sin to, to them, it, it, loses, it loses its power. So Aaron's confession at best was, was half-hearted. And Deuteronomy 9.20 tells us that God was ready to destroy him for, for his sin. And Moses intercedes for him, though. But sin is, it is deadly, and it has to be dealt with. Ignoring it, downplaying it, only gives it room to grow and, and to fester. Verse 25 And when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, which uh, another translation, I think the NIV says, to the laughing stock of their enemies. Um, uh, Verse 26, Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. So the people had had, had broken loose. They'd cast off all restraints, and, and, and it seems likely that they cast off a lot of their clothing, and that there was sexual stuff going on here, orgies, prostitution, uh, just this, this was a wild celebration in, in the worst sense of the word. So, so Moses, again, he takes decisive action. He calls out, he says, Who, who's for the Lord? If you're for the Lord, come to me. And this is an opportunity for repentance, an opportunity to, to turn to God. And it says um, that the Levites... They come to him, right? Like many, most of the Levites. It says all, but it's probably a generalization. The Levites come to him, verse 27. And he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. And, and we need to stop there. This is God's plan. This isn't Moses in his anger coming up with a way to, to punish Israel. This is, this is God, okay? Um, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about 3,000 men of the people fell. 
And we don't know exactly, it doesn't tell us how, how they chose who to kill. We don't, like, did they know who the ringleaders were, the worst offenders? Um, and when we come to, to sections like this in Scripture, uh, it can be really hard. And, and, and what we need to do, what Pastor Gary's helped me do this week, was just step back and, and look at the whole of Scripture. Right? Look at, look at what, do we, what do we know about God? We know that God is just, right? Like in the, in the context of Exodus, we've seen that over and over again. Like it pounds into us that God is a just God. We know, we're about to see in, in, in uh, chapter 33, that God is compassionate. He's slow to anger, abounding in, in love. We know that, that God responds from any number of stories in Scripture, that God responds to hearts that are repentant towards him. So some, including Pastor Gary, think that there's some way that the unrepentant were, were, were made known, and, and, and they're the ones that, that died that day. Throughout the Old Testament prophets, God, he asks people, return to me. He tells them, return to me. I want you to come back to me. I, I want you to come to me. I'll heal you. I'll, I'll pardon your sin. Just return to me. Uh, Ezekiel 33, 11 is, is really helpful to me in, in clarifying God's heart towards people. Uh, it says, uh, Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways. Why then will you die, O house of Israel? So God's heart is that the people would turn to him. He's not excited about the death of the wicked. And in a bit, we'll talk about how God disciplines us, right, and our sin, how God disciplines us. But let's go to verse 29 first. It says, And Moses said, Today, and this is to the Levites, Today you've been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his son and of his brother, so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. And the Levites, they, they, they'd ordained themselves. They, they'd set themselves apart. They had to make a choice. Am, is, is God, does God have my ultimate allegiance? Right? Over any relationship, over anything that I have. Like, do, do I trust God? Do I want God more than anything else? And what a question for us to ask. Right? Is, is our allegiance for God. Like, is, is God the one that, that we worship? Because this could mean losing things, right? Losing friendships, losing relationships. The Levites set themselves apart that day for the Lord. Verse 30 says, The next day Moses said to the people, You've sinned a great sin, and now I'll go up to the Lord, and perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. And Moses confesses really the way that Aaron should have. There's no spin on it. He said, this is, this is what the people have done. He takes accountability for what the people had done. Verse 32, it says, But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book. That you have written. So Moses, he says he's going to go up and make atonement for the people. He offers himself. He offers himself to be the atonement for the people. The same people that had just disowned him, right? They said, as for this Moses guy, we don't know what happened to him. But he's ready to offer himself up. And, and the Apostle Paul in Romans 9.3 says something similar. He, he says, I'd be accursed to Christ, right? I'd, I'd, I'd go to hell if it would save 
my Israelite brothers and sisters. This is an amazing thing that, that Moses says. But God rejects him. Verse 33, he rejects his offer, I should say. But the Lord said to Moses, who's ever sinned against me, I'll blot out of my book. So God gets his, no, you're not, you're not going to be the atonement. Each person is responsible for their sin. And Moses, Moses couldn't pay. He didn't sin in this circumstance, but, um, but he was a sinner too. Maybe if he'd never sinned, maybe, maybe God would have said, okay. I mean, I, I don't think so, actually. But, um, but then he would have been able. Um, the atonement could only be, be paid for by, by a spotless sacrifice, right? By Christ, the only human that, that, that's never sinned. Verse 34 it says, But now go, lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. Right, so even in the midst of, of everything that's happened, there's still hope here. God's still saying, I'm going to do what I've said I'll do. You're going to lead the people to the place. And it says, Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. Then the Lord sent a plague on the people because they made the calf. The one that Aaron made. So, so there's continued discipline, right? Uh, some people think it could be the 3,000 that died, actually, the plague. It, it could be something else, though. But, but God, God, God's disciplining them. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, and I'm sorry, this won't be on the screen. I, I just added this this morning. But it says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. God, God disciplines the people he loves. He, he disciplines his children. That's what a loving father does, right? He, he disciplines us through, uh, through circumstances in life, some that we bring on ourselves, right? Consequences of our sin. Um, some things that, that we have had nothing to do with, just stuff that appears, at least on our end, to just happen to us. Right? God, God uses those things to, to discipline us, to, to shape us, right? Like we talked about earlier, he's making us more and more and more like Jesus. John Piper is a, a pastor, uh, an author. Um, he, he says uh, that God is disciplining us. He's teaching us and correcting us and transforming us. In other words, God has a purpose and a design in what is happening to us. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11 says, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Right? Like this, is, this is what a good parent does. A good parent disciplines their kids. Otherwise, it's like the Lord of the Flies, if you've read that book, right? Like, we, we just go wild. Our kids would go wild. I think um, Alex has a picture of one of my kids that will pop up here. Um, this is Hudson, first day of preschool this year, right? Little cutie pie, okay? He's five years old. Uh, he is, uh, he's just a ham. Like, uh, my ki- I think all my kids are funny in their own ways. Huddy just, he loves to make us laugh. And he, like, multiple times in restaurants, he'll just start dancing in front of us. Like, he's, he's just a riot. He, he does, uh, well, I've talked before, dancing in our house 
is a rare commodity, right? I have no dancing skills. Uh, Lindsay has more than me, but she doesn't really have dancing <laughs> skills either. Way better than me, though, like if we're comparing each other. Uh, my other kids, too intimidating. But Hudson, like he just goes for it. He's got this like robot thing that he does. He does, he, he does this slow robot move into a dab. It is so, it is so funny. He, he, he does this, he, he does so many funny things. Uh, every night, we brush teeth, get pajamas on, we're going to pray. And before we pray, for like a two-month period, Hudson was trying to do backflips on our bed. Like, and it was, it was just cracking us up. He, he's, he was on our bed, so he was fine. And he was actually like pretty close to getting a backflip down. He, uh, he's just adorable. Like, he mispronounces all kinds of words. So instead of saying penguin, he says pink one, right? Um, Star Wars fans, he, he, uh, he thinks that the word force, right? Use the force. He thinks it's forest. So, so he's like, use the forest, dad. I'm on it, son. I'm on it. Um, but I also joke that, that Hudson's going to be our cage fighter because he's, he's nuts. He's really crazy. Like from a young age, he would just book it across a room and jump at me. And I don't know what's happening. I mean, now I do because it's been like four years of it. But he just, he just runs full speed at me. And the bigger he gets, the scarier it is. I think we're going to crack skulls. Um, he is, uh, he's most comfortable in just his undies. Um, like we get home and he just strips down sometimes, right? In fact, he'd probably be naked if we didn't make him like put on his undies. Like he knows now he's got to wear his undies, but he just, he's, he's just nuts, right? Him and our, our oldest son, uh, they, they have several Nerf swords, right? So they're soft-ish. Um, but Huddy swings that thing like he's the last Jedi. Like he is just, he's going for it, right? And, and Caden kind of loves it because it's a little scary, um, and, you know, when, when, when we tell him that he can't do something, like, he, he throws an impressive fit, right? He, he, uh, his, his non-listening skills are remarkable. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to talk to him, and just getting him to make eye contact with me, like, is so hard. And, and it's, it, if, it looks like I must not be talking to my son because he does nothing that I say sometimes, right? He, he, um, he's way younger than his oldest two siblings, and, and sometimes he just gets ticked, and he starts throwing haymakers. I mean, just... And um, I could let that behavior go, right? Like, like there are times as a parent when, when you see something happen and you look around and you realize no one knows that you know you could just leave this right now, right? Um, I could just walk away. And Caden, they're substantially older, right? It's very rare that Hudson can land a punch that they can't handle. Um, but, but that wouldn't be good for Huddy. If I just let him go wild, it wouldn't be loving for me to turn the other way when he does any number of, of the things that he shouldn't do. So, so we discipline him. Right? And all the normal stuff, like I don't, I don't know anything you don't already know. Like we try timeouts and losing privileges and we, we take away toys or we have him do an extra chore. He's, uh, he's made cards for Sunday school teachers at times to apologize for something he's done in class. Um, and and sometimes, sometimes I ride him pretty hard um, and I'm pretty harsh with him. And, and other times not nearly hard enough. But, but what I'm trying to do is, is, is parent my kid in, in love. Right? Like I'm, I'm trying to, to discipline him in what's best for him. And uh, Hudson, he's never loved the consequences 
that we've given him, right? He's never once said, oh, Dad, thanks for taking away my favorite toy today. That really helped me. Like, I learned a lot. I think I'm going to be a better human being. Like, he's, never, he's never said anything like that. He, he flips out when we take something from him. Um, he, he feels the immediate pain, and, and he, he absolutely hates it. But, but Lindsay and I are trying to do our best. Like, we're trying to look at the big picture. We're trying to raise this boy who will someday be a man that we want to love Jesus. We want him to, to, to be full of integrity, to, to love and, and respect people. And this is, this is what God does, obviously, so much better with us. God, God does it perfectly. He, he disciplines us because he, he loves us, right? He, he, he transforms us to be more and more like Christ. It's amazing that God doesn't waste. He doesn't waste anything for the sake of, uh, of your development to become more and more like Jesus and, and for his glory. Verse 8 in, in Hebrews 12 says, If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are an illegitimate, or that you, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness." For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. James 1.2 says, Consider pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many many kinds. And it goes on to say that these trials, they're shaping you. God is using these things to to make you more and more like Christ. God never wastes any of it. He he doesn't waste your battle with cancer. He, He doesn't waste your difficult boss. He doesn't waste the employee that you have to deal with that's really lazy. He's working through your mistakes, your setbacks. He uses the consequences of our sin to discipline us, to make you more and more like Jesus. And sometimes we experience consequences of sinful, stupid decisions from years ago, and they pop up today. Years later, they pop up, and we can trust that that God is going to use that to lovingly discipline and and, and shape us. We come to God knowing that that everything that's going on, no matter how hard it is, and even the easy stuff, too, like God is using all of that. No matter the circumstances, God's going to use it for our good and for his glory. So we're going to come. We're going to come and and, and take communion together, right, And, and, and remember Remember that Jesus was the only one that could make atonement, right? Moses made the offer, but Christ is the one that could do it and, and, and did do it for us. He died in our place. So if you've, if you've trusted in Jesus, we're going to have a few songs here. If you've trusted in Jesus, you can come up during the songs and, and, and grab the bread, which represents Christ's body broken for you. And, and you'll dip it in the cup, representing Christ's blood shed for you. And, and we're going to remember what he's, what he's done and, and that he's the only one worthy of worship, right? He, he's the one that deserves the woohoo or whatever it was earlier, right? He, he's the one that, that is worthy of all of our attention. And maybe during this time of communion, you need to confess, right? Maybe the things that you realize, like, man, God, I, I'm holding on to this thing. Or I'm flirting with this thing. Or I've, I put this thing in front of you. Maybe you need to confess that to the Lord as you come to the table, um, we're also going to have people to pray with up front 
If you want prayer for anything, or, or if you need to tell them something that, that you've been struggling with, something you've been battling with, an attitude or a temptation, whatever it is, like come up and, and, and pray. God is, God is so ready, right? He's so ready to receive the repentant. So I'm going to pray now. Jesus, I, I thank you, Lord. I thank you that um, we can see Israel and, and we can see our, ourselves, Lord. We have an opportunity to learn from Aaron and recognize how quick we are to blame anything but us rather than just stand before you and say, I'm a sinner. I need you, God. Lord, I thank you that that you discipline us. Even though it's painful, Lord, I thank you that, that you're a good, good father, that you don't just leave us to our sin. But you take, you take the consequences that we experience. You take the difficulties in life, the things that, that others intend for evil even. And you, you're sovereign over all that, Lord. You use that to make us more and more like you, Jesus. God, would we worship you? Would you set our eyes on you, Jesus? Lord, if we become too complacent, would you make that so clear, God? None, none of us want to get to the end of our lives and realize that we were just sitting in church every week. God, we want to live for you. Would you move in us, Spirit? It's in your name we pray. Amen.